Well, good morning, everyone. I wish I were staring into your eyes, but please know as I look into this camera lens this morning, my heart is with you. I miss you. I love you. I wish we were together. Um, trust me, I don't like this any more than you do. Speaking to an empty room is pretty awkward, not the easiest thing to do without the human interaction. Um, but we are together in spirit, and I'm thankful that we have the opportunity to connect in this way. And um, man, how about that singer? A quick shout out to my sister, Rebecca. Like many of you scrambling to figure out how to manage your family and your children, um, you know, my wife is at the hospital with our youngest, and so I'm trying to juggle three kids and my job, and so Rebecca's been here the last couple of weeks and was gracious enough to step in and uh, lead us in worship this morning, so thank you, Rebecca. Um, but I'm excited because this morning I have a chance to bring um, to us uh, a brand new series uh, that we're calling Naturally Supernatural. And to explain the phrase or the term, I want to kind of give a little bit of the backstory of where this came from. Um, a year or so ago, our staff went down three hours south of here to Lynchburg to Thomas Road uh, Church, where they every year offer the Refuel Conference. And it's in October, it's in the fall time, it's a beautiful time to be down there. And uh, it's a pretty incredible conference because number one, it's free, you can't beat free, it's pretty close, so it's not that hard to get to. And it's not really like nuts and bolts of ministry and strategizing and structure and leadership, but it, you know, you might get some of that, but really... The whole purpose of the conference is to be refueled. And so they have an incredible lineup of speakers every year. And we went down and, and there's main sessions, you know, morning, afternoon, evening. You probably understand how that works. And, but then scattered throughout the day, they have different breakout sessions. And you can kind of look through the schedule and register and go to these other small classroom settings where there's maybe just uh, 30 to 50 people versus the thousands in the auditorium. And so I had kind of put together my lineup of breakouts that I wanted to go to. And one of the first breakouts that I went to was um, being led by this couple named Alex and Hannah Absalom. And I had never met them. I wasn't familiar with who they were. Um, and they were just this small little English couple from England with these accents and they uh, are they now live in Long Beach, California, but they were giving a series of talks about the Holy Spirit and living naturally supernatural lives. And uh, as I sat in this first breakout with them, the way that they kind of broke down who the Holy Spirit is, what he does, how he wants to interact with our lives, it was just like blowing my mind because they didn't stand up there in like a robe and say, thus saith the Lord, I prophesy and we're gonna cast out D. It wasn't this huge, elaborate, weird, spooky kind of thing. They were a normal couple like your neighbors, like my neighbors, like people you would run into and enjoy meeting and talking to. And as they just kind of went through the, the, the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit and his role in our lives, I just couldn't get enough. And so I actually just followed them from breakout to breakout to hear the rest of their talks they were giving. I, I skipped all the other ones that I had signed up for and just fell in love with this couple and this idea of living naturally, supernatural lives. And throughout the day, I was texting some of the other staff members. They came and jumped in on some of the sessions. And, 
And we just left wanting more. And so we signed up for their email list. Um, a little while later, we went to another conference in Florida called Exponential. And they were there and we sat in on every single workshop that they led. And we left there um, having signed up for a, a year-long online cohort that ha Alex and Hannah were offering. And so basically, for the last year, our staff has been in every other week Zoom calls with Hannah and Alex and a handful of other people across the country talking about living naturally supernatural lives. And so we have just been really excited with the opportunity to bring this to you. In the series premise, the idea behind this, this series is that as Christians, living a supernatural life should be common. It should be the rule. It shouldn't be the exception. It shouldn't just be for clergy or pastors or people in full-time ministry. We should be everyday Christians who are full of God's spirit living our lives. And, you know, it's kind of sad that here in America, we have at our fingertips, you know, the best teaching in the world, whether it's podcasts or books or watching services online. We are full of information and full of knowledge, but we are sorely lacking when it comes to living these lives full of God's power. And I think that part of that is because we're afraid of the Holy Ghost. You know, we're cool with the Father, we're good with His Son, but then when it comes to this Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, it's very mystical and spooky, and, and we're just not quite sure what to do with that. And so we want to try and use this series to demystify the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so it's going to be full of biblical teaching, hopefully some encouraging stories, and really just very simple proven practices that we can use to grow in the authority and power of the Holy Spirit. Because the truth is that God is speaking all the time. We have to believe that he wants to speak to you and to me every day of our lives, not just once a year, not once in our lifetime, or not never. He, he wants to speak with us every day. And so this series is going to try and help us understand how we can live normal, natural lives that aren't weird, that don't scare people away, but that are full of supernatural um, ways that he works. And so last week was the perfect lead-in for this series. Um, you know, it was Easter Sunday, and I hope you had a chance to view that service. If not, you definitely should go back and check it out. But Easter is a great setup for what we're going to talk about the next several weeks. Um, we sort of wrestled with the idea last week of what is the point of Easter? Is it just about salvation? And, and don't get me wrong, salvation is amazing. We could never earn what Jesus did for us on the cross. But is that really all that it is about? Was it just a ticket out of hell and then spending a lifetime waiting for Jesus to come back and claim us or until we die and we join him? Um, was Easter just a one-time event and we look back on Easter and we sort of remember about it when we take communion? Um, what did the death and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus, what did it really accomplish? And Pastor Greg just did an amazing job of making this very personal for each one of us. Um, he spoke about the idea that, that Easter was so that Jesus could come and invade darkness 
with light and to usher in his kingdom on this earth, not in just a generic kind of worldwide out there, arm's length kind of way, but in a very tangible, personal way. It's not some abstract idea. This hits close to home for every single one of us. And Greg was very vulnerable with us. And he talked about how he as a child experienced traumatic events that sort of shaped the, it it really damaged him from an early age. It shaped the way that he related with people and approached relationships. And for the longest time of his life, he sort of boxed every person out of his life. And Jesus was the only friend that he had. And after walking with Jesus and letting Jesus inside of his box, over time, Jesus was able to help him kind of pick up the pieces and put things back together. And that really is the Easter story for every single one of us because only Jesus could take the brokenness of our lives and totally redeem and restore us. And he didn't do that so that we could hunker down and just wait for the end times. He wants to use us to further his kingdom on this earth. And that's why Jesus prayed, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. And so you might be wondering, how could an historical event from over 2,000 years ago really have much to do with us today? And so what we have to understand is that the story of God is still being written today. We are in the middle of his story, and Easter was like a tipping point between the now and the not yet. And that's a phrase we're going to talk a lot about today, the now and the not yet. And I want to break it down and kind of explain that for you. In Matthew chapter 27, Jesus was on the cross being crucified at Golgotha. And while our focus, it's sort of on the cross at this point, we shouldn't miss out what was taking place at the temple. And so I'm going to read a short passage out of Matthew 27, starting in verse 45. And it says, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. And immediately one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. And the rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, and then in John 19, we know that he said, it is finished, he gave up his spirit. Jesus died. He gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. The earth shook. Rocks split. Tombs broke open. Bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. And when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified. <laughs> and I think I can relate. If, if the earth was shaking and rocks were being split and the temple curtains being torn and people are coming back to life, you can bet that I would be afraid. And they exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. And what I want to point out from, from this few verses is that 
the veil was torn. And, and this is significant if you don't really understand about the veil and the temple. There was a curtain that sort of boxed in the presence and the spirit of God. And it was called the Holy of Holies. And you had to go through, a, um, only a priest could em- enter this space. They had to go through a ritual and sacrifice and cleansing themselves even to go into the Holy of Holies. It wasn't for just a normal, regular person to just walk into and interact with God's presence. But the, the Holy of Holies from top to bottom ripped open and God's spirit flooded out into the earth. And last week, after our morning service, I was hanging out with my kids back home, and uh, we were trying to figure out what to do that afternoon. We did an egg hunt and, you know, did some fun Easter activities, but someone had mentioned that uh, TBN was offering a free broadcast of uh, a theater company called Sight and Sound, uh, a play called Jesus. And it was amazing. If you have to pay for it, I still recommend you go find it and watch it. Your kids will love it. But I literally sat there with my kids all climbing all over me and making noise, crying through the whole thing, (laughs) different scenes. It just put to music and to to visual acting the the life of Jesus and Easter and, and the resurrection. But one of the coolest scenes was after Jesus left, all the disciples are gathered in the upper room at Pentecost waiting for his spirit to come. And his spirit blows into the room. And it's just amazing to watch them visually portray what took place when his spirit fills the lives of of his believers. And so I want to do my best today to try and just speak directly to you. If you're wondering, where does that leave me? Maybe God's spirit fell then, but what does it have to do with me now? Maybe you feel like God hasn't ever spoken to you in a long time, or maybe he's never spoken to you. And one thing that I need to remind myself of and and all of us is that Sometimes we lose sight of that the Bible is the primary way that God speaks to us and reveals himself to us. And the Bible is full of things that God wants us to hear. And so I'm going to give just a few examples of what I call Jesus' standing orders. A standing order is an order that you always go back to. Unless a new or different order is given, you always go back to the standing order. And a great place to start when it comes to living a naturally supernatural life are the standing orders that Jesus gave us in Scripture. So here are just a few examples of some of the standing orders that we are supposed to be living by as believers today. In Matthew 10, verse 8, it says, Heal the sick. Raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you have received. In Matthew 28, we know this as the Great Commission. In verse 18, it said, Jesus came to them and said, All authority, not some authority or partial authority or a little authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says that you will receive power, When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. So how do we reconcile these standing orders to be able to heal people, to be able to 
to, to demonstrate God's kingdom on this earth, when we look around and we, we just see nothing but brokenness, sorrow, pain, we feel like we don't really have much power. How do we reconcile and justify what Jesus commanded us to do with the way that things are? And I think that I can help us with that today because at this point in time, you and I, we live in a between time. We live in the now and the not yet. I've got a chart uh, here with me, and I'm going to look at it. It should come onto your screens because this chart is just a visual representation of the now and the not yet. On the left side of that chart, that's little Adam and Eve there. That's mankind. In Genesis 1 and 2, we hear about the creation story. We hear about the Garden of Eden. And basically, mankind lived in perfect fellowship with God. And then there's a little cliff, and there's a fall of man, and that's where sin enters the picture. We disobeyed a simple command of God. We went our own way. We chose that we were better than what God had planned for us. And so there's the fall of man, and then we find ourselves separated from God. We don't walk with him in the garden, interact with him like before. We are separated from God. And then there's the rest of the Old Testament leading up to the New Testament and the birth of Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. He's God incarnate, God in the flesh. And we can read all about his life. And then we see in the middle of this sort of of divide, there's the cross, and there's the death and the resurrection. This is where the veil is torn, and no longer are we separated from God's spirit. And then just on the right side of the cross and the veil being torn is where we live today. This is the in-between time, and that arrow represents where we are And we are supposed to pray just as Jesus prayed. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so those arrows pointing down represent us pulling heaven to earth. And those are kind of terrible looking crosses that represent spiritual warfare. Because we still live in a fallen world. We still live where Satan is roaming the earth and kind of creating havoc and chaos. But Jesus commanded us to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus has come, his kingdom is at hand, his rule and reign are here, but there is still darkness because of sin. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 describes it this way. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then, in the future, we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial. It's incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. And so at some point in the future, the book of Revelations in chapter 21, it tells us that that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And in chapter 21, verse 4, It says that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things, it's passed away. In Revelation 22, Eden is restored. Perfection, perfect relationship and communion and fellowship with God. And so as you, as you look at that chart one more time, it's pretty easy to see that we don't live in perfect fellowship with God like we did in the garden, but his new creation in heaven and earth haven't yet come. And so we're in an in-between time. We are in the now and the not yet. And so an easy way to understand this would be the example of the Emancipation Proclamation. 
In April of 1863, President Lincoln gave the Emancipation Proclamation. He was declaring that all slaves would be free, but it wasn't for another two years that Congress finally ratified the 13th Amendment freeing all slaves. And so you have a period of time from when there was an order decreed. Everybody should live in freedom. This is a God-given right that all of us have. And yet we have battle and war and death and destruction until that reality of finally, wait a minute, we can live as a free people. And in many ways, even regardless of laws, we're still fighting many of these racial battles today. But that's an example to show us that that when something is decreed and declared and spoken, there is a period of time before that matches reality. And I get it, it's so easy to look around at this broken world or your own broken life and to give up on the idea of supernatural living. It's an easy thing to do. There are things in my own life where I just don't understand what God is doing or how he's working. But even though we live in the now and the not yet, that's no excuse to live powerless, empty, natural lives. So I want to give us a list of 10 quick things about how you and I, we can bring God's kingdom now. And so we're going to go through this very quickly. Number one, the first way that we can bring God's kingdom here and now is to model it ourselves. We don't have to hope that the church, our church, will kind of give us a taste of heaven on Sunday morning. We don't have to look around and wait for someone else to initiate and maybe someone else somewhere can pray and bring healing or speak into people's lives. You and I, every single day of our lives, in completely normal, natural, not weird, not spooky kind of ways, we can model the kingdom of God. So a perfect example is, do we always turn to prayer when we talk to someone? If we're in conversation and someone's explaining something that just requires an answer outside of what they're finding, why don't we take the opportunity to say, hey, can I pray for you? And not like tonight when I'm at home or later, but like right now, like, can I pray for you? I dare you this coming week with someone on the phone or through, the, through your car window or at a you know, 10-foot distance in an interaction this week, I dare you to find someone and just say, can I pray for you? And see if they don't say yes, and you will be able to bring God's kingdom to that situation in that moment. Number two, we as Christians need to debug that supernatural gifts are gone. John 14, 12 says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing and will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And listen, I'm not saying that I have some magic formula that I do this on the side and you guys just don't know about it. I sometimes can be tripped up and and just as confused as you, but all I know is that Jesus commanded it just because we live in the now and the not yet and we don't see the fullness of his kingdom, we need to be pursuing these things. The third thing is, and I really think that this is something that all of us can learn where we find ourselves right now in isolation, number three is we need to be interruptible. God wants to interrupt us so that we can be used by him. Jesus and his disciples were always on the move somewhere, and it wasn't like, oh, hold on, we don't have time, we we have a place to be, you know, we've got soccer practice, I gotta get to the job, I'm on my workout, I gotta meet some folks. It's like, no, in our everyday coming and going, God wants to use us, but we're so busy that we're not interruptible. 
So we need to be comfortable with learning how to operate outside of our timeline or our schedule. The fourth thing is we need to be obedient. I think one of the main ways that we miss out on living supernatural lives is we sense when God is telling us to do something. We're interacting with someone, we're in a situation, and we can feel his spirit stirring up inside of us, and we sort of shove it down like, eh, that can't be God. Like, I'm, that would be weird. I would be nervous. I would be embarrassed. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to... And how many opportunities do we miss out because we just didn't take the moment to step out in faith, to trust our gut, to trust that he is leading us, and to be obedient to the opportunities that he's putting in front of us. Number five, and I'm really excited because in a few weeks we're going to spend a day talking about this, we can change our culture by teaching our children from the earliest age. If we train our children now, and we don't let them settle for unsupernatural walk with God, then we will change this world, and our children will be a part of that solution. The sixth thing is we need to fuel ourselves up with faith. And an easy way to do this would be to learn from those who stretch you. I consider myself somewhat spiritual. I feel like the Lord's with me, but I'm not like the most Holy Ghost, spirit-filled Christian you've ever met. There are people way more spiritual than me. And you better believe that I come to these people when I have questions, when I need prayer, when I need healing. And, and an example would, for me would be Melinda Wooden. If you know this woman, you know that she is full of faith. And if you're ever down or you're depressed or you just feel like you need some faith, if you ask that woman to pray for you, you're going to leave encouraged or feel like you were smacked around in a really loving way because you just kind of leave thinking, you know what? I don't know what I was thinking about. She's right. God's got this. We need to surround ourselves with people who are going to fuel us with faith. Number seven, gather others to help you persevere. Jesus promised us that we would see trouble in this lifetime. He didn't promise us smooth sailing from the moment we accept him to the day that we see him face to face. He said, in this life, you will have trouble. So we need to surround ourselves with others who will help us persevere. And so I want to take a time out and I want to look at you in the camera and say that if you are not in a small group or you are not leading a small group, then you are missing out on really what I think is the lifeblood of our church. This sermon, I hope you enjoy it. And, and each week, I hope we bring you teaching that you're feeling is speaking into your life. But guess what? This evening, I'm not going to remember what I said, right? Tomorrow, you're not going to remember this message. Information does not transform our lives. We need to understand salvation in the Bible, but it's not what changes us. People change our lives. And small groups at Destiny give us the opportunity to step into life-transforming relationships that will give us the potential to walk arm-in-arm with someone who can encourage us, who can love us, who can uh, equip us, who can come to us and say, man, you're missing it. Like, you need to get this together. Or, hey, I, I think God has something for you. We need to be in relationships, and Sunday morning are not where we are going to find those relationships because we have an hour together, and we're not even interacting really right now, but on a normal Sunday, a few minutes before, a few minutes after, high and by, that's not relationship. 
And so we've actually bumped up our summer semester of small groups. We're not going to wait until June 1. We've bumped that up to May 17. And right now, we are looking for people who will step out and say, you know what, I can hope a group group." I can host a group opportunity. And guess what? You don't even have to go anywhere because if we're still in lockdown, you just need to be able to hop on a video call and connect with other people and and have a great time and make friends and share your life. And so if you feel like, you know what? I think I'd be game for that. I want to do that. Then all you have to do is text the word LEAD, L-E-A-D, to 85775. And Grace, Pastor Grace, she will follow up with you and, and help you form an idea or get you some resources or get you some content to lead a group opportunity, but small groups give us a chance to surround ourselves with other believers who will help us persevere in our faith. The eighth thing that you can do is you can cover your church culture in prayer. Listen, I love being a part of this church. I love that we have Pastor Greg and Brody and Grace and Rachel and others leading us and and, and all of us together being together, but the truth is that we need you to help us set the culture of our church, and we should be praying for the type of church that we want to be, and and I think that God wants to change all of our hearts and show us a new picture of what church looks like. Number nine, uh, we shouldn't be surprised by spiritual warfare. In Ephesians 6, it says that we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. What you have to understand is I'm not saying that there's like a demon hiding under every rock or when you go to bed, you should, you know, check under your bed or something like that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm simply saying that you and I are spiritual beings and there is a spiritual realm and that is where our battle is. So we should not be surprised that when we lean into wanting more of God's spirit in our lives, that Satan does not like that idea and he's gonna push back. And so I wanna encourage you, Prepare yourself for spiritual warfare, and that's why this whole list should be taken as a whole. And then finally, recognize that this takes time. None of us are just going to decide, you know what, I want to live life with God's Spirit and just become this mighty, you know, incredible super Christian overnight. It takes a lifetime of walking with the Lord to even see a glimpse, just the tip of the iceberg of who He is and how He works. And so I want to just tell you a little bonus tip here. If you are struggling, if you're like, this sounds great, but I just, I don't know. I don't don't think that's for me. If you're struggling with doubt or fear, write out a list of the ways that God has been there for you and apply the ways in the, in the places where, where God has shown up to the areas where you're not seeing him work. And just remind yourself, you know what? God showed up there. He can show up here. And so I have a real quick story to kind of illustrate that. You know, a, a, a couple of months ago, here in the last few months, um, my, our family, we were waiting for our youngest daughter, Joanna, who's been in the hospital since October, for a heart transplant. And we were waiting and waiting and praying, and we just didn't really see her. Uh, she wasn't improving. Transplant was basically our only option. And, and we were just in a waiting period, and it was so frustrating. 
And so one night I'm at home, it's Saturday, it's coming up to Sunday morning. Um, you know, obviously this is my job here, so I'm gearing up for that. And, and late that night, Carly calls me and she's like, you have to come. You got to get to the hospital. Things aren't looking good. We don't know what's wrong, but she's really taking a dive. She's, she's crashing and, and you need to be here. And so I make some frantic calls. I'm trying to reach people. I'm trying to find someone to come to the house. Um, shout out my crotchers. You dear brother came and slept at my home. My kids woke up to him, probably wondered, why are you here? Where's dad? But I drove into the hospital and um, I, I get up to the third floor. Carly's laying in the bed crying. Joanna doesn't look good. Heart rate's low, respiratory rate's low. Typically, if, there were, if she were sick or had a fever or had some sort of virus, then there'd be something we could treat and we could have hope that, oh, there's a problem we can identify, but there was no problem. Our basic only answer was that her heart failure was becoming worse. And there wasn't really a solution to, to do anything about that. And so they said, we're going to sedate her. She had already been intubated and sedated. We're going to take her down to the cath lab. We're going to go in and see if we can potentially find any problem that we can address. And so, you know, we took a few moments there in the room and what felt like maybe a final goodbye and they wheeled her out of the room. And The worst feeling at the hospital is an empty bedroom. It's, you know, your kid should be in your room being taken care of. And so Carly and I were in that empty room. We're just crying and holding each other. And so 45 minutes goes by, and our surgeon comes back. They had called him in in case they needed to do something. And he pops his head around the corner, and he just said, she's fine. She's fine. And we're like, what do you, what do you mean she's fine? And he says, I don't know, but she's fine. He said, I, I can't explain it. Up in the room just 45 minutes earlier, her oxygen levels in her blood were like 30 and 40, maybe 50. Ours would be 100. And, and so they were plummeting. Her heart rate was sporadic. Her respiratory rate wasn't good. And they got her down to the cath lab and suddenly her, her oxygen levels were in the 80s, like higher than they had ever been. And everything normalized and stabilized. And, and he literally, our surgeon stood there and he, he was like this. He's like, he was shaking his head. The words just weren't coming. And this, this very smart, medically trained man said, I don't know. And he said the word fluke. And I just don't believe that. I don't believe that that was a fluke. Yes, I wish that God would have never allowed Joanna to be born with a heart defect. Yes, I wish that he would have healed her in a moment of prayer and faith. But that just hasn't been our story. But I know that in that moment, that that was a miracle. And, and for whatever reason, <laughs> for, for no medical reason, God intervened and Joanna stayed with us. And I, I just want to, I hope you hear this today, that normal, comfortable life doesn't require supernatural living. God does his best work in dark places and in hopeless situations. So if you feel like, man, I'm just tired, I'm, I'm worn out, I'm, I'm in this place where God feels so far away, then guess what? You are primed for a supernatural intervention. And so I want to lead you in a song this morning, and I want you to focus on the power of these lyrics, because all week long I've been praying for you. 
And I've been praying for this moment because God is at work. He's at work, people. This pandemic, it didn't surprise him. And I truly believe that he is using this time of isolation to grab our attention and to remind us that he's right here. He's right here. He wants us to be more aware of his presence. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your presence Lord Holy Spirit you are welcome here come flood and fill the atmosphere your glory God is what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence
As we close today, my prayer is that we would truly be more aware of God's presence. He's all around us. He's at work. He's intervening. He's protecting us. He's guarding us. He's keeping us. He's paving the way. And even when it doesn't feel like he's working, even when we can't see his plan, he is at work. So I want to just share one final scripture with you today because I think it's a great reminder. It's, it's what I want to leave you with. We spent most of last year in the book of Ephesians, but this passage of scripture perfectly capstones this idea of supernatural living. In Ephesians 1, chapter chapter 1, verse 17, it says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion in every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So in just a few moments, we're going to close. This broadcast is going to end, and many of us will continue on with our day. But when this broadcast ends, I'm going to be leading a a live video webinar through Zoom for our growth track. And, And if you've been around Destiny at all, you know we talk about growth track every week, it seems like. But I want to challenge you, if you have never been to our step three of our growth track, today's your day. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't even have to put real clothes on. And, and you can sit in the comfort of your home and spend about the next hour with me because I want to 
explain to you how God has given you an influence. And he wants you to use that influence to further his kingdom. And we're going to talk about the leadership potential that God has given to you. And I really just hope that if you've never been on the fence, you've never done it, take that leap today and join me for step three. Don't sit on the sidelines and miss out on being used by God. He created you to carry his presence into every corner of the earth, starting with where you live and extending to where you work, where you eat, where you study, where you play. And so Growth Track, we're going to be able to talk a little bit more about this idea and how it's not just about Sunday mornings, it's not just about pastors and people in full-time ministry, but it's about everyday normal people living supernatural lives that influence those around us towards God's kingdom. And so I want to just take a moment before we close and pray for you. Father, we just come before you today, God, so thankful for the work that you completed on the cross, Lord. You cried out, you released your spirit, you died, you said, it is finished. And the curtain tore and your spirit flooded the earth. And to this day, God, you are still roaming the earth looking for those that you can live life with and you can walk with on a daily basis, Father. It shouldn't be this mystical, confusing, complex way of getting to you, God. You've already done all the work. We don't have to worry about our past or our sin or our shame or our guilt. We can freely come to you, God, and we can just say, Lord, we're here. You are standing at the door of our hearts. You're knocking, and we just want to open up to you this morning, Jesus. Father, I pray for every person watching this broadcast, Lord, that right where they are, they would feel feel the tug of your spirit on their hearts, Lord, that they would open up their heart to you, that they would give you more full control of their lives, that you would step in, God, and you would be able to do um, and begin only the work that only you can do, Father. Lord, I pray that your presence would fall on each person in their homes right now, Lord, that that we wouldn't have to expect that you just show up on the Sunday hour, Lord, but you want to meet us all the time. You're waiting, Lord. Every moment that we're awake, Father, is an opportunity to come to you. And so, Lord, I just ask that your spirit fall, that you would encourage us in our hearts, Lord, that you would help us to realize and understand, Lord, that we can be supernatural Christians, Lord. It doesn't have to be this hokey, pokey, weird thing, God, but you want to just feel normal, everyday people with more of you. And so, Lord, I pray for our church family. God, I pray that we could be the kind of church that just is full of your power, that demonstrates your kingdom, that pulls heaven to earth, Lord, and that we would change not only our own lives and our families, but we would change our communities and those around us, Father. We love you. I thank you so much for our time together this morning, and we say in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're basically done, folks, and before we leave, I want to just say, hey, listen, if you have been um, connecting with what you heard today and and you want to kind of give some feedback or share a prayer request, I would love to hear from you. There's a place um, on your screen where you can find to connect with us, and there's a really simple connect card that you can fill out with some basic information, and it's your chance to, um, to, to share with us. And so if you share a prayer request, we will keep that confidential. But we would be honored to pray for you this coming week. And so let us know how we can help you. And um, we would love to do that. Also, please don't forget that even though buckets aren't going down the aisles and we're not together, 
We do depend on your weekly tithes and offerings to continue in the ministry that we offer as a church. And so there's a gift tab that will take you to our online giving platform. It's really simple. It's really easy. Um, And so you can go there and you can uh, participate in worshiping the Lord through your weekly tithes and offerings. And then again, here in just a few seconds, I would love to join you on a Zoom call for step three of our growth track. So I love you. I miss you guys. I hope that we actually get to see one another in person very soon. But I hope you have a great week.